Well, welcome everybody to podcast number six, I believe. I think it's number six of Moscow Mules and Knob Slides. I'm Kyle. All these Moscow Mules everywhere. Hi, I'm David. And today we have uh, one of my good buddies, Sean, with us. Hey, Sean. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. So for those that maybe just jumped right to this podcast, what this podcast is about is basically uh, we talk about drinks of all sorts and then we kind of talk about cybersecurity. and as our guests of the week featured guests of the week we like to kick it over to you first sean to tell us what you are sipping on i am sipping on i'm starting with a stone enjoy by july 4th is the enjoy by date on it after that it just that turns to acid or something i think it sure does <laughs> You uh, do you find that their enjoy buys definitely do turn to acid by the enjoy buy date? And also, follow up question: How do you feel when you see the enjoy buy on tap in a bar, and it's at least one month past the due date for the enjoy buy? Yes, good question. So uh, each of the different beers will flavor or uh, age differently with the flavor. You know what I mean? So nine times out of ten, if you're a couple days late, it's probably not going to taste as it was intended, but it's still going to taste pretty good you know, in general. Yeah. Now, if it's three months later, if it's ending in July and you're trying it in October, that, less of a chance of being something tasty. That's kind so of wait. like the, the, the good thing about them. Like they, they can really narrow their naming down. They don't have to like come up with a new name for every, you know, every beer that they've brewed. They're like, oh yeah, this is the enjoy buy. But then, you know, that's also kind of the bad thing where if you're, you you own a bar or a brew, uh, a brew house somewhere, like you can't really sell that very easily past the enjoy by date yeah stone's done a good job where they just ran out of names they've been around for so long so like ah we'll just start slapping dates on it and yeah this run is with fine. It from there. so excuse my ignorance so the the company is called stone stone brewing stone brewing and they have beer that's called enjoy by and then basically the date is what signifies that one when you're required to enjoy it by so if your day isn't filled with obligations already, your beer can stare <laughs> in your face with another obligation. So what? What is it? An IPA? Is it a? They're generally IPAs. This one okay. uh, says it's an unfiltered IPA. Uh, well, unfiltered, unfiltered double IPA. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> the idea is the sooner you drink it from when it's been released, the maximum hop flavor is going to be in it. I prefer my IPAs that look like orange juice once you pour them in a, gram, a glass. So you like I'm, orange juice, yes? No, I don't like orange juice. Okay. I just like double I hazy IPAs. So it looks like orange juice. Did are are you like also I don't know either one of you aware of like the ongoing lawsuit that Stone has with Keystone and uh, Coors Miller Coors? I guess at this point, did anyone anyone no. hear about that? Oh, that's good. We can get into that later. But basically, uh, Stone. Um, noted that Keystone has changed their labeling on their beers so that the word keys at the top very small and then stone is down the side or when you tilt it it's really big and their contention in the lawsuit is that it's confusing consumers who are looking at craft beer and be like oh let me go see those let me get that new stone it's in a it's in a white can with blue label or whatever it is and uh, they're saying this confusing people and it's misleading and, and misrepresenting the uh, stone brand and they're actually making some headway in the lawsuit, uh, believe it or not, against uh, a, an industry sense. giant. I feel like that's like Tiger a... King. Yeah, basically, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Harold <laughs> Baskin. 
She definitely <laughs> killed her husband. I don't I have, man. I don't know. I have some mixed opinions on that, but. Where'd he go? It's strange, Where... right? It's definitely strange. I mean, I probably would have flown away too, but that's neither here nor oh, there. I'd have bailed, man. I'm, I'm way out. <laughs> if I got a pilot's license and like. Yeah, that's a good point. You He's don't probably... have to fill out a flight log. See you later. He's probably chilling in Costa Rica. Just kicking back. For sure. I mean, or I he died. I would. Gives it a happy ending. It <laughs> <laughs> was the happiest of endings for him. Oh man! For sure. So, so was so that it? Good? I'm sorry. Is that all you got? Like, uh, you so said, I, I heard you say I, I'm starting with. So, yes, yeah, sir. So um, I felt it appropriate since um, I, uh, I spent a little time at Southern Tier. I'll move on to some Southern Tier goodness here. Uh, Lakeshore Fog, which is uh, a newer one, I think, within the last three, four years they came out with it that I've been uh, really enjoying. So, got yeah. some. I agree. Nice. That's a good, that's a good uh, ballpark beer. I think they have that down at PNC Park here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And not that you're drinking it right now, but just so uh, the audience thinks that we're just not always uh, about alcohol. Sean, you make a wicked coffee. I remember you tried to explain it to me like, you know, three months ago, we were working that side project. And he's like, here's what you got to do. And it was like 10 minutes later, he finished the conversation about like what you got to do to make the, the best coffee. Are you still doing yeah. that? Like that yeah. slow brew? I remember you said, nope, can't do it. That's too many yeah. steps. I, I When I want to drink coffee in the morning, I want to drink coffee, not have a science experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Is, so, that when you, is that when you brought that thing to work? And you were like, oh man, I got this thing from Shark Tank and it was super awesome. And like, you're like, it's a big No, that was ass. a different one. I got one of those like things off of Shark Tank that was like for cold <laughs> brew. And it was like, I got Shark Tanked. Like, that gotcha, was like, bitch. <laughs> yep. I got like, the, it might as well have been tagged with like ass seen on TV. Like, that's how I felt. I don't even know where it is. It was like the worst $25 I've ever spent. Is there a TLDR to the coffee recipe? Like what, what makes it so special that you got to go 10 minutes on it? Well, it's, I've, I had the auto drip coffee pot and I'm, I like, I enjoy coffee and I've used the Keurig machine. Um, I actually, uh, you remember they came out with like a version two that the tops of the pods had like a barcode or something on it. Uh-huh. You hear about this? Uh-huh. Yeah. Where you, you couldn't use off market types cause they, they wouldn't brew. Unless. You had to hack it. And you then put the other one. And put yeah. the other one on the top. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I'm not going to pay $2 extra for a barcode. No. You know what I'm saying? No. So it... now what I'm using is uh, I still have the auto drip occasionally. Sometimes you just want a gallon of coffee and just drink on it. But um, I use a, uh, what's that thing called? It's American Press or something like that. Some weird name. And uh, I just got it to try it out. And uh, it definitely makes the coffee taste different. I would say uh, most coffee, if it comes out of an auto drip, it's more like acidic, you know, like uh, burnt flavor, which mm-hmm. I like. I enjoy I drink my coffee black. I like that flavor. But if you want to try like the other nuances of the bean, right? I mean, maybe it's all in my head, but uh, the It's America press, the way it works, you, you grind up the coffee, you put it in a little canister. And instead of like a French press where it just like all that shit floats around in there and you have to press it out, it sits in the canister and it has a filter on the bottom and it presses it from the top to the bottom. And by the time it presses, like the second top chamber is filled with the brewed coffee and all your grounds are in that little canister. And then you just pull the canister out, open it up and dump it out. So it's not a huge mess. Uh, But the way it's supposed to like, I don't know, you, you push it down, it brews in there for a minute or two, the beans expand and get wet or whatever it is it does in there. 
and then you press it down through. And what I've noticed about it is um, there's some coffees that I like in a, in a coffee pot that I'll put through there and it tastes fine. But um, like Brazilian coffee, you're like the coffee that some coffee will turn out like red when you brew it and it'll have flavor to it, but it'll be more fruity or sour. Or I found that I don't really like those. So when I use the press, I like the ones that turn out more like brewing it from auto drip anyway. Oh yeah. So maybe I got a... shark tanked. I don't know. <laughs> Do you have a bean of choice? Like have you found like a bean or a blend that you like? Uh, I would say a category that I like. I kind of like the darker roast more, I would yeah. say. And then uh, Honduras, I like the then Arab Arabica, Arabica. That I one. I have no idea. Uh, I drink that. I started. We switched over to a drip one from a Keurig and like got the bulletproof coffee. I love it. It's so good. It's not. I'm not making bulletproof coffee, but the name of the beans is called bulletproof coffee. Oh, uh, gotcha. Because like, I isn't bulletproof coffee? Isn't like bulletproof coffee where you put like a stick of margarine in your like coffee or something crazy like that and you drink it in the morning? Yeah, I, I tried that once or twice, and it's about how you would expect it to be, you know? It's <laughs> coffee that tastes like a stick of butters in it. <laughs> Surprise. Is that like Surprise. a military thing? Like, I didn't know anything about that. Other than, like, I thought the Bulletproof was a brand. So, like, there's, like, a way to brew coffee with sticks of butter? Yeah, I don't recall what the recipe is exactly. There's, like, other stuff or cinnamon or, I don't know, some weird stuff to put in it. From what I remember reading about it, I think it originated in, like, Tibet or something like that. And they brew it that way in Tibet to like give you extra energy and fat during the day or something. I don't know. Maybe I remember that wrong or getting you know, after it. Peyote yeah, dream. Is... I thought that up. I don't know. Peyote, Peyote dream. dream. <laughs> <laughs> that good. is correct. That sounds about right though. Uh, so that's coffee. You're a big coffee junkie though too. Now you drink like 16 cups a day. Who me? Yeah. Yeah, out of the drip though. Like, so we, uh, I've, I've talked about this on earlier podcasts. Like, we had to switch uh, when when the work from home directive went down. Like, I go through too many coffee pods. So, we went to like the new version of the Keurig, which is the pod in the front, but also has a chamber in the back to do the, the one off cups, which is super cool, but no barcodes because they realize that, you know, smart dudes and, and dudettes are out there hacking barcodes and, you know, they bypass all that crap anyway. So, we're into, into pot mode. I do at least, you know, 10 cups a day and don't really blink an eye, right? That's, that's one, of the thing I, one of the things I noticed about the It's American Coffee is usually I'm a entire pot of coffee guy as well. And I enjoy my entire pot. And some days I think about maybe filling it up again before, you know, <laughs> I start thinking about what that's going to do to me. Uh-huh. But what I've noticed with the It's American brewer thing is, one cup and I'm solid, which is the exact opposite. If it's pot coffee, I'll drink the entire pot. Yeah. If I'm using the It's America press, it's it feels like there's just more in it, you know. Interesting. Let's check that out. So is that an, an Amazon or a Shark Tank? Where where can I find the It's? I think America it's on. Press? I think it's on Amazon. No, you told me about a website, but it might be on Amazon. I looked it up and I spent yeah, time like watching videos and reading about it after, after we talked like a few months and ago. And you're like, that like, guy's an idiot. Why is he doing? This? <laughs> I know you're not an idiot, but I was like, man, he just has some patience. That's all I'm saying. I like that. I know you're not an idiot, but. <laughs> but you have patience. That's a compliment, I think. Uh, yeah, sure. Of course it is. Of course it is. Exactly so, sure. So, David, what are, you, what are you sipping on? So, I found at my local beer store, uh, there's a brewery out of Massachusetts. It's a little smaller, but I guess they're big enough if they can get their beer out here to, you know, BFE, Western Pennsylvania. It's called Nightmare. Nightmare Brewing Company, and they usually have some really 
uh, murderous artwork on their cans and you know names that kind of go along with it one of the first brews that i had from them that kind of kind of turned me on them was called um colombian necktie which i think was like a tangerine or a peach goes maybe or a sour that had just a, a lot of a lot of punch and a good flavor to it this one has a dude getting blown up with a cannon uh, in some sort of military setting it's called blowing from a gun uh it is if I can have enough breath to read this, a double in uh, double IPA with Indian cane sugar, uh, quintuple dry hopped with Eldorado Calypso, cashmere mosaic, and something melon hops. I can't read the word because it's in this uh, beautiful script writing. So uh, it's a ten and a half percent big boy, and I'm not really sure what to expect because I don't really like dry hopped beers. So if you're going to quintuple dry hop it, maybe it cancels all the dry hops out. I don't know. Hoping for good things. Uh, today I have brought my uh, one of my newer uh, purchases off the internet. This is uh, my glassware for today. It's Kramer from Seinfeld. I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Uh, in his uh, uh, Technicolor Dreamcoat pimp outfit, if anyone is familiar with that outfit uh, in that episode, um, one of my favorites. But I got this glass from a website called Glass to Mouth. That is correct. Glass to mouth.com. So Sean, I don't know if you listened to any other ones yet, uh, but David has a like, Oh, that's a healthy pour. Infatuation with glasses. As I do with shoes, he has glasses. Like, like, I don't know how many, how, how many do you think you have? Roughly. I just oh, counted my newest from the past, like uh, lockdown period. <laughs> and I have 34. So that's your newest though. What's included your old? Oh, I don't know. I had to put some in storage. <laughs> <laughs> So here's another, so did we talk about this yet about um, being from Central Maryland and, and Frisco's? Did we talk about Frisco Tap House? I feel like we talked You've about that. mentioned it. Yeah, I have some stories about glassware from there, but you know, basically they used to have this thing called pint night and you could go and uh, some, some brewery had a whole uh, row of tap handles at the brewery, at, at the, the, the pub and you buy one of their beers if you're there early enough and you get one, um, one of their, their pieces of, of glass, whether it was, you know, a, a little taster or a, a full pint glass uh, house of a thousand beers in new kensington um does it every now and then with with a, a brewer but you can basically get a bunch of free glasses that way and that's nice. kind of how i started when i was really like new to the craft beer game in my 20s so yeah so i'm gonna try this out uh kyle i'll, I'll kick it over to you while i yeah so speaking of house thousand beers new can i had a hankering again for like a on those like warm days we had like this is really good hazy ipa we lost David. He'll come back. I'm sure he will. His internet likes to. Uh, I'll be back. I mean, I'm always back. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. Yeah, it's at least once a. Yeah, and it, it reminds me my internet connection is unstable. So thanks. Anyway. I thought so, it was yeah, just so, a really long sniff into that glass. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I will go nose deep in these like all the time. Like <laughs> it's it's just kind of a thing that I have to do. It's, anyway, it's yours I to will, enjoy however you want. You bought yeah. it. You uh, paid for it. Part Wash your feet with it. Whatever you want to do. And this, this, uh, I'll just like it smells dirty. It smells like it's had hops just dumped into it over and over again, and they weren't even clean. It's just, it's it's a filthy smelling beer, and I'm ready to enjoy it. So, Kyle, now I will actually kick it over to you this time. So, enjoy. So yeah, it. going down. Go, I want a, a good hazy IPA. Everything opened up here in PA to go to restaurants on Friday. So like I think Friday, we went to went over to New Kent area and I was like, oh, they always have great beer. So I started like looking through, I wanted a bunch of IPAs and I'm bringing home like 
I got seven beers because they do that like six and the seventh one's a penny or something like that. So I got five sours and two IPAs. So <laughs> didn't really pan out how I Wait, wanted were you, it. But. Were you drinking that night or were you buying to take home later? I was, well, I would, I, we drank and then I went to the coolers to pick out beers. Oh, so. okay. Okay. That was kind of a vague statement on, on your. I mean, we just subject. had to go. It was like one of those things you just had to go. You do. Anyways, brewery? I'm not, I'm not ashamed. Yeah. We also went to, uh, Connie Creek after that. But anyways, this, I, so Collective Arts, I've had a few of their stuff before from when I've been at uh, House of Thousand Beers, New Ken. But this one was like a limited release. And it was a mango tangerine sour. But what I liked about Collective Arts, their cans are pretty wonky too. They, they, they I don't know, they have some artists that does all their cans and all of them are different. They're all really cool. Uh, like I said, I've had other stuff by them. And I, like that I just stepped... Sean, I had to step up my glass game. I couldn't be outdone, so I start small. But you'll appreciate this one. It's called Rick and Morbid. I don't. It's from uh, David hooked me up with a guy off of Facebook that was selling these glasses. But basically, it's a Rick and Morty. But since they're in outer space, Rick and Morbid. So have so you watched all, the new season? Who's all on that glass? I'm sorry. Before before you answer the question, like who's uh, Mr. Who B6 bird uh, bird person? Who becomes Phoenix person, aka PP? PP. <laughs> the new season. <laughs> I nearly fell off the couch when Rick said that. That's one of my favorite episodes. Well, I think that was the last episode of the season. Uh, and then what's the sun guy? Show me what you got. What's Rami that? Lawn. Yeah. So, and then a hops on there. Uh, and then obviously a worried Morty and a drunk Rick. So, but uh, yeah, I'm going to give this a pour. I also picked up. Oh man, I got some cool glassware coming. Told you, it it's it just happens. Like you're like, oh, twenty bucks a pop. Like I can totally do this like all day. Like no no big deal. Well, my wife's and, buying like a like a curio cabinet. I guess whatever you call like you know that people have. So we have like this open wall space. We took down these mural paintings we had, and like we now we have this dead wall space. She's like, can I get one of those things? She's she's like, you can put your beer glasses in it. Cause I have like a handful of them, but not like fun ones, but like from the breweries. And I was like, done. I'm cool with that. That's great. Great idea. So every day I get like six Etsy links to, what do you think about this one? So, so what you, you need to do is it's a good excuse to go to Oktoberfest to buy one of those mugs, right? Like <laughs> you got to get it for the cabinet. You need a boot. Yeah. You need a boot and a big Stein. That's the only way that this is actually going to end well for anybody. What nothing, do you think? No, nothing, nothing uh, the right home about this, though, unfortunately, even though it says limited release. I mean, tastes like mango, tastes like tangerine. I would say more tangerine than mango. It's 6%, so I think that's why I picked it off the shelf. I like my sours to be, you know, the juice worth the squeeze, no pun intended. <laughs> that's awesome. But, it's true, though. Uh, how's that no. one? Well, uh, it's, it's good. It's, it's ballsy. Definitely. Um, it's a little sweet, I think for 10.6, but like it's, it's definitely covered up the alcohol content, but it's, it's, it's that, it's that cane sugar. It's punchy, man. It's, you can tell like, there's, a, there's a lot of work into this beer. Is that punchy meaning like when people say dank? I mean, I know dank cause it like smells like weed and like, that's what I say dank, right? Um, it's weird. It, 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 it's it's not dank, but like it's got that dry hop like oil. Like I can taste like it's just it's like dirty oil. Like I I don't know. It's it's really hard to describe if if you're not like into you know squeezing hops in your hand and, and smelling the the heck out of them. 
Sean would know about that, I would hope. <laughs> yes, you, oh, wow. Yeah. So, so you, you into squeezing hops in, in your free time? It's been a while. Um, the first time I started getting into brewing, this is kind of a stupid story, but I'll tell it anyway. Um, <laughs> brewing. So you, know, you brew. You do brew. I, I haven't brewed in a while. Uh, I started brewing in 2006, and I lived in Hawaii at the time, and there's no AC or heat or anything, so it's always like between 60 and 85 degrees there, right? It just, well, probably 65 and 90 or whatever the band is, but <clears throat> I would uh, brew and, and put it under uh, a cabinet that I had in my kitchen, and it would stay about 70 to 73 in there the whole time, so it was like the perfect temperature to brew ale, so started doing it then. Then I uh, moved to Atlanta like 10 months later, sold all my brewing stuff, moved to Atlanta, bought all the brewing stuff again. And, th <laughs> and then I went to brewing school in 2009. So that would have been like 2007 to around 2009. Then I went to brewing school. Uh, but I probably, I'll skip along here. I sold all my stuff in 2015-ish, right around the time uh, that uh, my daughter was born. Because I figured, you know, it's it's a it's a huge time sink. It's a cool hobby to have, and maybe someday when I retire, I'll have a brewery. But it's been about five years since I brewed now. How long was that school? The school was twelve weeks, and it was seven weeks in Chicago, off Clybourne. I don't know how familiar you are with Chicago, Goose Island. You probably heard of them. So they were like right across the street from the school and we're friends of the school. Um, and then uh, we went over to Germany for five weeks. Mm, and that mm -hmm. was awesome. So we went to, so over there, they treat it like, uh, I don't even know, they have state run brewing schools. So it's like, what was your grandfather? He was a brewer. Oh, much respect. You know, like right. it's, it's real because it's run by the state, you know. But uh, we went to play, uh, the Dumans Academy is what it was called. And that was broken up into about three weeks of school time. And uh, there was a final test at the end of it. Uh, and then we spent 11 days on a bus driving around Europe. And we visited two places every day. They were breweries, brewing equipment manufacturers. We stopped at a uh, malter. We stopped at maltster. Uh, we stopped at a hop production, Hopstein. You might have heard of Hopsteiner. Uh, stopped there as well. But that was, uh, we visited La Trappe. You've ever heard oh, of Oh, yeah. That that was an awesome place. I've since gone back like two or three times because it's just, oh, you're it's a monastery. Uh-huh, you lucky Konigshoven. guy. Konigshoven. Konigshoven's the same same people that do that. We went to uh, Schuf, you know Schuf? Yes. That was another one that was amazing. Um, and that was one of the first like real amazing brewers that said, I'll give you my recipe, but you won't be able to brew my beer. So recipes shouldn't be a secret. And uh -huh. that was kind of a cool little tidbit I learned from them. Uh, where else did we go? Heineken. Uh, I went to a Heineken plant in, I think, Netherlands. It's been, that was 2009, so it's 11 years now. But uh, that was that was interesting because the school catered to craft brewers. So on the wall, they have a picture of every class that ever went through it. And they have people like the uh, founder of Rogue Brewing is on the wall. Um, Southern Tier, the founder, he's on the wall um adolphus what's his name uh papst oh yes <laughs> was, was up on the wall and what's interesting the school's been around since like 1870s 1860s something like that and they got through prohibition by uh teaching yeast but uh bread yeast metabolism which is the same organism that makes alcohol 
That's right. So they're teaching people how to make bread, quote. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bread school. Yeah, yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're talking to the guys at Heineken. There's this one VP, and he was like a VP of, I can't even remember, production or something like that. We've got a room full of 30 brewers all from all over the world. We had like seven dudes from Mexico. Uh, come to find out there's only like two or three brand, uh, brewers in Mexico that make all the same brands like Negro Modelo and Corona. And they're all made by like three breweries in all of Mexico. I'm sure there's some craft stuff there too, but the big ones. Um, we had some brewers from India, Japan, all over the world. But anyway, the Heineken guy gets up and he's like, uh, yep, we're going to be replacing the brewing job with a panel. There's going to be buttons and levers. No one's going to do recipe formulation. It's just going to be efficiency and you know, and meanwhile, we're like close to rioting and mutiny and taking over his brewery because we want to like work with our hands and do recipe formulation and grow our own little thing. And I still remember that he gets in there and it was literally like a, there was about to be a revolt. <laughs> what was yeah, what, it was, what was like the hardest uh, the hardest style that you found to brew? Like to, I, I, I would assume that the test wasn't like an oral exam or a written exam. Like it was probably like brew me something and it's this style, like go do it. Is that true? So that we, we brewed a couple times, but the test, you're right. It wasn't like a normal test. It wasn't answer 60 questions or 120 questions like a CISSP and you get a certificate. It's, uh, it's more like there were five questions, only five questions, but you had to hit all the criteria and you know, I can't, tell you what what they are it's a closely guarded brewing secret you know but um they were like several steps involved with the question so if you just said oh it's this in a sentence then you wouldn't pass because there's certain things that they're looking for you have to basically explain um the chemistry behind it and the Uh processes behind it and uh yeah getting into all the science of it so uh on one aspect it wasn't just like a, a college bender on one aspect, it was a college vendor, but then at the very end, you had to take a final and pass. And there were people that legitimately didn't pass the final test after that. So it's not like you pay a bunch of money, which is probably even more now, and you get a diploma. But um, funny thing about it, I'm looking at it over there. It's uh, my, my stepdad's a woodworker and he does wood stuff. And one year they're like, oh, what's your top three things you want us to frame? And they built frames for it. And, um, of like all my accolades, uh, it's the, it's a, it's called the international diploma in brewing technology and the things like two feet wide and a foot and a half tall. It's like, <laughs> it's like a billboard over there, you know, <laughs> and there's like my OSCP. That's just this little like postage stamp. <laughs> it's a page out of a book there. Someone ripped it out of a book. Pretty much. Yeah. You got the cardstock paper and printed it up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's pretty cool. So uh, here's a question on the beer thing, and uh, maybe both of you can answer it. Cause I just, what is like when you see like, oh, brewed with a mosaic hop and, and citra, should, should I care as a drinker of these very much? Like, should I care to figure out what hop I like more? I know it's a silly, it's a silly ass question, but you know what I'm trying to say? It's, it's not really, because it's just like anything, right? Like there's such a wide band of tea, for example. Like, do you like black tea, rubios, whatever, English, right. whatever? Like, it's just, it, it, beer 
the reason why I don't like wine is wine is like grapes, right? Like how different can a grape taste? And there's wine people that are going to hate me for saying that, but. Uh, <laughs> That's all I was thinking. I was like, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> well, to, to each their own, you know, um, and, and I'm ignorant. So we'll, we'll get that out of the way early. Um, the, in hops, there's like, there's different kinds, like noble hops is what they have in Germany that are, they have their earthy and, uh, spicy I'm from royalty uh i don't know why maybe because they don't have a free-floating electron Science oh whoa, wow <laughs> are, you, are, are you calling them unstable <laughs> ah. Ah. i did pass two chemistry classes so yeah i, I dropped out of high school but that's a uh, that's another uh <laughs> maybe kyle's next question but we'll get we can get back into that sure <laughs> yeah i mean Drop out of high school, runs his own company now, real successful company. So that says, you know, I mean, I think it's a good story because everybody, you see all the, in the Twitterverse worlds, like everybody's like, how do I get started? I don't know. Grind. I think it comes down to grinding, I think. I mean, I mean, yeah, you did go the military route, right? But like, that wasn't your end all, be all, right? Like, you didn't be like, oh, that'll set me up for what I want to do. You know, I, I want to go into cybersecurity and things like that. I mean, that's not how it panned out, right? If I'm correct, paraphrasing your last 25 years of your life. <laughs> yeah, that, that about sums it up. Uh, it, it really wasn't, uh, the military thing was like, I, I started my career in 98 in the dial-up internet days. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I did tech support for, uh, uh, if you're from the or around the Western part of Pennsylvania, Pencom internet company was, uh, I was tech support for Pencom. We went as far south as like Zillianople, as far east as like uh, Port, you know, the far east. Um, and uh, it was, it was, uh, it was the, the best skill I got from that was probably how to deal with irate customers because, mm -hmm. you know, everyone started off like uh, their Pencom's secondary motto was piss poor service because that's what everyone loved to say, right? So you try to take them from, they get disconnected all the time to... Yeah. Um, add some commas, right? You probably remember adding commas to the end of the phone number and adding modem strings, mm -hmm. uh, you know, things like that. Um, the, one of the best calls I ever had was a lady called me up and it was like 4.25 p.m. She's like, 4.30 every day, my internet goes to shit. I don't know what's wrong, but your piss poor service, yada, yada, yada. And then like, <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm sorry to hear that. If you give me a shot, I can take a look at your settings. We can try to, you know, she's like, well, all right. You know, we're starting to look through your settings. And then uh, 4.30 hits, and just like clockwork, she's like, uh, you know, well, I don't see where the, and there's just a static. And I was like, I, I can't hear you. They're, they're static. What's going on? And she's like, oh, sorry, you just have to talk louder because the electric fence around our house turns on every day at 4.30. <laughs> oh, no. That's about all I have to say on that one. Oh, no. And she never drew it, like, so did you, how long did you be like, hmm, that's the problem? And she's like, no, she fought you on it? Well, again, that was like, it. that's what taught me, like, how to work with people. Like, really, yeah. like, how to, like, the last thing you want to do is, you know, make that a big thing. So you smooth it out and you say, oh, ma'am, can you still hear me? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, your, it, your, your internet uses your phone line. And if there's static, that's going to interfere with the connection. Maybe if you moved outside of your cow pasture you know like what do you do <laughs> oh man 
that is western pennsylvania though like you're gonna you're gonna get that out here like oh yeah my cow pasture uh hey it's like six six hundred feet until the next uh i don't know the next diesel land help me please mm-hmm. that's how it, i mean yeah. even even this way you go from suburbia and then next thing you know you, you roll down towards my neighborhood boom there's like a farm emus sheep like big cattle slippery slope slippery it is. slope Hey, can you lay eggs? I don't think it can. And then, bam, tigers. Then tigers. That's how it starts. Kyle yeah, I can get a chicken. I can get a duck. And then I can get a leopard. <laughs> what I learned is you have to uh, pimp that leopard out for pictures, and then you'll make your money back very fast. That's that's how you do it. And you make Never everybody else. You make life. everybody. You make everybody be an intern to work through the process to do all the work for you. Process. I mean, that's the Carol Baskins way. Baskin. It's a pyramid scheme, man. Oh, man. So so then you went, you did the military thing, had some fun there. Do you want to talk about any of that? Or is that talk generally? Are we talking to talk generally about that? Um, I mean, I did communications when I was in. Um, the biggest thing is I started off as like a Lennox guy. And, uh, you know, I probably it's a certain time in my life was a uh, one of those microsoft haters because i was in the lennox camp and then joining the marine corps it forced me to learn windows basically like the school i went through taught how to and this was 2002 and they were teaching me how to deploy windows nt primary domain controllers and backup domain controllers like they were already starting to come out with windows 2003 and the marine corps was still running on windows nt <laughs> uh, so that wasn't the most fun but um, I got a couple certifications and sat down and had to learn it and uh, one of the big things that I did when I was in was I was part of a team that went overseas and upgraded the Windows NT domain that was part of you know the war that everyone was sending emails across from NT to Windows 2003 so we modernized it for uh, Marines were there in the Anbar province so we were doing that in the Anbar province oh jeez you were, you were out on like on a field site doing that? Oh, yeah. I visited pretty much every, at the time, Marine Corps camp that was out there. Um, I was there 341 days. Uh, the main camp I was at was Ramadi. Uh, second was probably maybe Al-Assad. Third was probably Fallujah. But Hit, Haditha, Al-Qaim. Um, yeah, all those. How many bullet holes do you have in you? Or... Oh man, I so was, was, were you in any live fire exchanges that you were uh, very very scared to get out of or in I don't know. On a serious through. note, on a serious note, several of those that I named were uh, I mean the bases look like the surface of the moon cuz oh, yeah. mainly mortars and rockets and things like that on the base. Um traveling between the bases was a different story, but bottom line is uh I'm on a serious note, very lucky to have uh, gone through that at that time. 2005 was the year I was over there for the elections and stuff like that. And um, I came back mentally. It took a couple years, but came back mentally. Um, veterans are a, a, something that I really care deeply about. Uh, I've got a lot of you know, buddies and stuff that were over there, and some of them came back, and some of them didn't physically and mentally. And um, so – uh, it's something I've I've tried to weave into what I do is yeah. how can I leave a positive impact in that realm. That's awesome. I mean, that definitely could have been easy. Like we're all over here. I mean, 
me being in, you know, 20, I, I graduated college in 20, 2006. So I wasn't, you know, old enough for any of that. At least I didn't think I was. And you're, you're over here watching on the news and be like, man, that sucks. Like this all is just, this all looks just terrible and awful. And now here we are, you know, 14 years later and there's days where you're like, it, I don't, I don't think it looks any better, but you know, the people that were still there, you know, they, they came back, like they, they're, they're in our society and we need to, you know, I agree with you, do something like we need to help the people out that, that have served this country uh, in that sort of capacity. So it's cool to hear that you're, you're in that, uh, you know, in that camp as far as, uh, I don't know, you, the way you live or, or, you know, give back, I guess. I think yeah. Sean, like, I, I've told Sean this numerous times. I think Sean is like nearly one of the most genuine people I know. Sorry, Belasco. You're I heard like, that though. Oh no, man, I'm, I'm disingenuous. It's fine. <laughs> but like Sean is easily, and I'm not just saying this because we have him on the podcast, like most genuine person I know, like shoots it straight, not a liar, keeps it real. And I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen him raise his voice. So, <laughs> it's, so, so how did you cross paths with Kyle? <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. that's the kind opposite. of a... I'm total, I'm 100% like nearly 180. <laughs> it's like yin and yang friendship right here. First of all, I try. I'm not perfect. Um, I definitely, I put my pants on both legs just like everyone else. No, but, yeah. Uh, Jump in them at the same time. <laughs> Hold the waistband um, and like give us a try. Yeah. I do I was ditching that shit. <laughs> so I, I met Kyle uh during a the b-side ctf two or three years ago four years ago whatever it was in pittsburgh and in pittsburgh yeah and i had just moved back to pennsylvania from i lived in colorado for a while and um, i saw the b-sides coming up and i went to the b-sides in denver and any place i was if the b-sides popped up i would try to go um i i liked playing T ctfs so um b-sides you know you walk around oh they have a ctf let's sit down and poke around a little bit and uh, next thing you know, it's dark outside, the lights are off, and they're shooting you out with a broom, you know, because the CTFs just, all your time disappears. But I, I was doing that thing, and I remember, like, the coolest challenge that I did across, like, any CTF at the time was trying to get a light bulb to turn on and off. Uh-huh. That's, like, his thing, man. He loves that one. That's a, that's a Kyle trademark. <laughs> that one, I mean what was it Kyle you port scanned it and the thing went down you had to reboot a light bulb like once yeah. every two oh. minutes but it once you worse. figured out <laughs> once you figured it out and it was like all right you know to get the flag you have to send this thing and the light bulb has to turn on or turn off or whatever and just doing that was super cool and that was the first time I was ever exposed to like the IOT type stuff like that so that, so that was that and I remember there was some bald dude there and he was cool he did the light bulb thing and I talked to him and then uh, I had hair at that time. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, so that was just like in passing and I never would have seen him again, you know, maybe another B side some other time. But then I joined the Derby Con Slack and uh, we had a rough year in I think 2018, something like that. And uh, I, I sent a note out and I said, Hey, if anyone wants to buy some, DerbyCon tickets. I was able to get DerbyCon tickets on the DerbyCon Slack. And at the time, Kyle was like, hey, I might go. I might buy these tickets from you. And uh, I don't remember how it even came up, but I was like, he said he was a B-Sides organizer. And one of the first things I said was, cool, I remember doing that light bulb thing and it was awesome. And he's like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> in, in fairness, I'm going to pause the story. 
David helped with that. That was with that year when we were at uh, Geek Week up in Canada. Uh-huh. You were looking at the IoT app. So, like, he gave me some of the insight to, like, how to send the commands. Because I, I think we had the on and off command. But then, like, there's – he's like, here, here's another command. And I would script it up and try it. And, like, oh, there we go. Change the hue of the light bulb. And that was yeah, a fun you could, you, you could pull all the enumerations out for, like, the, the, the light bulb commands if you just use the app. You just, if you know how to reverse, like, a, I, I guess it was an Android app, right? I think I pulled yeah. I just yeah. I just grabbed it out of there real fast. I was like, hey, do this. He's like, that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. It is so, awesome. And there's, and there's two different ways to do that, right? Because, like, you don't, you don't have to have uh, Android reversing skills to figure out all that stuff. You can basically fuzz it. Like, go, go figure out, like, if you're just sitting on the, on the wire watching commands come in, go, like, go grab some commands. And that's then once, I, you, once you figure out where the bits are that, that do, like, a certain, you know, action, just, just start firing through them. Like, it's not going to hurt anything. Just a light bulb. Yeah, that's exactly what we were doing. Because, like, I remember, because it was already exposed at the, the XOR key for the uh, encryption. Well, they use that in quotes, they were calling it. was, like, publicly known for something like a, the plug. I'm like, what if it's the same thing for the light bulb? Sure enough, it was. Of course, I, for, why would I they forgot change about it? that. You were like, hey, but then check I remember, this out. <laughs> and, but I remember I captured a bunch of traffic because yeah. we were sending all the commands. And, like, I'm, like, I'm staring at four, pa- like, data payloads. And I'm, like why isn't this command working? Like he just found a new command. And, and then all of a sudden it hit me like the fourth byte was a length byte. And if the length byte was off, the command wouldn't work. Even though the command was correct, like you had to tell the pack, like the light bulb, how many bytes were coming, which wasn't like an obvious thing, but I was like, it was like a eureka moment of like literally staring at bytes for like, like when people always say like, how do you troubleshoot something? I don't know. I was literally, I had the bytes up in like four terminal windows staring at them being like, what's different between these. And then I was like, hold on a second let me try that it was like i think i stopped for the day i think that was like 2 p.m in the afternoon after like three hours staring at it, i was like we're gonna go get beers the day's over <laughs> i'm success done. i am done and that tag length value processing like that'll that'll kill you a lot like if you don't get the right length of bytes it's like there's just like one sanity check in the code that just looks for you know is it a proper length value like is it an enumerated thing that i know about and if it's not it just throws it away so or if it's Sorry, like seated or if it's seated with like, you know, different Sorry ways. Your life. Yeah. So that's cool. So you found Kyle B-Sides, which is also kind of neat that our last guest on the podcast was a uh, OG for the, the Pittsburgh B-Sides, you know, yeah. Dan Kleindienst. I remember talking to him and seeing him at cool. Nice yeah. little tie back. All these just seem to keep tying back, Kyle. When are we going to have the guest that cannot tie anything back? When? I think I think we have a few coming <laughs> up of like – maybe some people and i mean i'm gonna sean i'm gonna have you give me some people like i mean we could probably we could do a podcast every day for the amount of people like that's this is for this is for us to have fun and 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 network with you know different friends and and acquaintances along the way but it's also like fun to like you know this is for everybody else too like i mean not everybody needs to promote themselves but it's also like here's here's something to be on to share i don't know what, so what do you do now? So what's your, your uh, Kyle mentioned you're, you're a business owner. So what do you do? I own a cybersecurity company that uh, we do offensive security, defensive security, and then we kind of have like a sock bucket, incident handling response, 24-hour sock thing. The offensive security is the fun stuff, um, penetration testing, physicals, vulnerability assessments. I hit up Kyle like what, once a month because we have a potential client and uh, that's a whole other topic, but we talked to 
talk to customers and they're like, well, we're not in the market for cybersecurity. And then three months later, they're like, everything's encrypted. What do we do? It's like, well, your options are limited now, but, um, you know, so we'll download samples of that and he's taking a look at samples and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, uh, the defensive stuff is managing firewalls, which, um, we're a Fortinet shop. I came up a Cisco guy, uh, owning the business. I always had the mindset that I didn't want to offer a service that I couldn't do myself. And I didn't want to be the best at it. I'll never be the best at any of it, but, um, I had to understand it so I could develop the business and talk intelligently about it. So, uh, I think maybe the first, yeah, the first year we were in business, I got the OSCP, which was an amazing, I, I really, really enjoyed that program. Um, I've got a post on LinkedIn about it where, um, I say it's probably a better program than a master's in business and MBA program, just because, you know, you throw enough money and time and studying in an MBA and multiple choice questions. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my program. It was, uh, there was some performance based things in there. Uh, big fan of the school I went to, which is uh, Western governors university. And, uh, but still, I think the OSCP, you can't just study or can't just, you have to reach a certain bar to get there. Mm -hmm. That's one of the points I made in the article about that. But um, yeah, so in a nutshell, that's what we do. Um, Cisco guy for 15 years, learned about Fortinet and now we do the Fortinet stuff, but um, I don't want to be too pitchy, but that's, that's where my passion is. I work about 13 hours on an average day doing uh, CrowdStrike is another big part of our business. Uh, we monitor customer environments and uh, do penetration tests. I mean, you hustle in 13 hours hustling, a day. Man. He that hustles. is hey, good for you. Well, that's just it, right? So a high school you know, dropout, you said? Exactly. So anyone Jeez. listening, if you drop out of high school, you just have to work longer days. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, I heard Edison was a dropout. I don't know. I read that somewhere. But I mean, that's like, that's the grind. And that's the, I mean... Yeah, but it, it, we've talked about it before, Sean. Like it kind of wears on you, but but I, what I appreciate about how you run your business, and it's, it's an argument you can a lot of people, not even gonna say names. It, it happens across the board, and a lot of our friends that work corporates, private companies, they have managers that have done the jobs that they're doing. And those managers are don't understand the expectations that that you know they're they're putting upon their employees, right? I mean, like I said, I can list a handful of people that you're like, you don't even understand. Like you're yelling at your, your people underneath you, but you never did the job. So you obviously don't understand how to get it done. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think you both did government contracting type stuff before. Yeah. Right? It's uh, yeah. Um, same type of deal. Getting yelled at by people that don't know what's going on. And uh, the sales guys and government contractors, I always joke that the sales guys and government contractors lead innovation because they're like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, totally. Oh, physics. No, no, fuck that. You know, we'll just, we can push it faster than the speed of light. You know, like, uh, one of the ones that I always ran into was, uh, how could you decrease the latency between satellite connections? Right. Cause there's like, it's a physics thing. So you have, you have to get the data from an earth station to a satellite back uh -huh. to an earth station. And you know, there's times where they would commit the, Oh yeah, we can do it in a hundred milliseconds. And it's like, well, takes 125 milliseconds and you know you start doing the math on that and i remember one time uh, a company i worked for came up with ip accelerators right they call them ip accelerators and that's how they got around was well the initial connection might take a little while to establish but we accelerate the ip so you know like some but that that was kind of cool and actually i think uh it's been 
a lot of years since we looked at that, but I think it converted all the streams from TCP to UDP and then built in like a reliable UDP is how they did it. <laughs> we shot it out of a cannon, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those t-shirt t cannons. <laughs> yeah, it's a t-shirt basketball game. Packing yeah. cannon. It's carbon dioxide powered, and when we run out of canisters, we just replace the canister. I don't th like that exact like sort of very like uh, old sort of thing. I always make my students watch Warriors of the .dot net. I remember watching it when I was like in undergrad, and it's basically it like describes you how the internet works and like how packets are and how switching works and in my networking class that's the first thing they have to watch i make them sit through like 10 minutes of like this flash movie that they obviously converted to html since then but like made in like probably like 2000 i'm gonna dig it up i'm gonna put it in the show notes so it's on new grounds oh man oh. it probably was on new grounds you just you just shot the like a, a you know that's that's the kill shot there, man. Remember? Do you remember Dig? I mean, Dig still exists, but do you remember how big Dig was for a while? How Dog big, pile. How big's your Dig? How big is your Dig? E bombs world. E bombs world. E bombs world. That's another one. Oh man, I can't believe you said Newgrounds. Were you guys Homestar Runner guys? It's, you know, anyone into Homestar Runner? I oh, wasn't. Yeah. Just makes. I mean, me I knew of it. I wasn't really into it. I didn't know merch, but I knew what it was. Merch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, like that's like OG internet meme stuff. I don't think our kids are going to understand. They're not going to understand. They're not even going to understand what LimeWire is. He'll have no Absolutely. idea who Carol's... He'll have no idea. My yeah, kids. Shit, my kids are six and three. They'll have no idea who Carol Baskin is by the time. Oh, no. They'll know who Carol Baskin is. <laughs> I've seen bumper stickers with her name already, yeah. you know, in Pennsylvania. So it's it's a thing. It's, of course, you saw them in Pennsylvania. Well, no one had a Newgrounds bumper sticker. You know what I mean? <laughs> Kyle, you need to make some regular stickers. <laughs> right. Put them on your laptop. Are you are you all, are you aware of Kyle's like sticker thing that he's got going on? Like you are you privy to the the Kyle sticker game? One of the best stickers I've ever seen in my life, and I, I'm not saying this from any kind of bias was the uh, uh, Wu-Tang <laughs> with the Ric Flair for I the I saw Wu. that on a Subaru going down Route 28 last week. I'm not even kidding. I drove he took a picture. To a picture to it. I was like, holy F, that's Kyle's sticker. My wife's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Kyle made a sticker. It's got Ric Flair on it. It says Tang on the other side. You don't understand. Wu-Tang. She's like, what? So you want to talk about wildly successful. I've never seen a, a Navisec, my company, sticker on a car. But Kyle has stickers on cars, so look at that, man. I mean, I, like that's a like when I think Sean really saw the whole bit because we went to the last DerbyCon this last year, drove down to Louisville. That's actually fun. Stopped at over at Buffalo Trace. That was a good time. Oh, I'm that was a good now. time. Waited too long to get the Blantons. Now I kick myself every time. But I get to just I get to be I get to mansplain every to everybody about how Blantons is made because they took us into like the workroom, and they have like it's eight people. It's all done by hand. And it was a really kind of cool process. I think I still have to talk about it. I think it's a really cool process. But anyways, I was like meeting up with random people from Twitter at DerbyCon, hanging out stickers. So I was like, where are you going? Because we're doing like that um, Capital One, Bank of, Bank of America. Bank CPA. of America. Yeah, yeah. We're and just sitting there doing like. We procrastinated it so long. Then we got back after a full day and we did like four hours of it. And 
we we like did that in four hours, something like that. I think we finished in like the top ten or something like that. Like, I don't know. We got a coin. You had to do like so many points to get a coin. Anyways, I kept leaving him. Like, I'll be back. He's like, where are you going? It's like I gotta hand out stickers to people. Like, I'll meet up. You would do, you did that at DEF CON too, where you were like you you ran would run into people that you had previously known. They're like, Oh, hey, I saw that you were handing out those stickers. Can I get a bunch of those? Never seen these people before, and like I, I don't know if you even knew who they were. Like you just knew them on nope. Twitter, right? No, nope. you're like Twitter sticker it. famous. I mean, it's fun to make them. I still have them somewhere because obviously, I was looking forward to this year. But you got any in the pipeline? You have any cool designs? Because I don't know. I have a bunch of things. No, well, nothing. A lot of the stuff that you were hatching was coming out of like day to day office stuff. Or you just, I feel like you were just twiddling your thumbs and like crap went bad. And you're like, oh, dude, I could totally make a sticker about this. And yeah. then, you know, a week later, here's. Uh, you know 300 stickers I, show up <laughs> i mean yeah you catch those deals i have i have an evernotes with all of them i mean we could probably make a readings hard one that's, that's my don't take my sticker oh no this is a good one that i wanted to make additional pain required because every Ooh. time you want it every time you want to install the the ferrell's tool set yeah you, know, you go you know that you ever get one of those tools it's like you get off GitHub, but it has like 35,000 dependencies that you didn't know that you needed. And you're like, this is a bunch of pain to even get it to work. Additional pain required. That's, that's a, I think that's a quality sticker that anybody trying to install like open source software tools with sh crappy shit. Yeah, that brings back memories of like late nineties. Anytime you wanted to install anything, you download the source code and compile it yourself. And I don't know how many times that I'm not a programmer, but I would edit like kernel code to get it to compile on my 486 and you know they would patch out like this fiber isa controller that broke the entire kernel and you'd like you know i got really good at commenting things out so i could get the kernel to compile and uh my friends on the internet because i didn't have any real friends in real life you know but friends on the internet would be like how'd you get it to compile it keeps I'm like oh man I commented all this code out. <laughs> oh yeah, just like it's just like it blocks, right? You just like you if def from here to here, and like oh, I don't know what that other stuff did anyway. It doesn't matter. Exactly. All it did, yeah. all it did was it worked. Doesn't matter what it, <laughs> if it was def or not. You just commented out and boom. Where, where were you deploying that code, by the way? <laughs> uh, Google, uh, Microsoft. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pencom. <laughs> no, Pencom was interesting though. Um, actually, so I started working there and uh, the guys that built like all the servers, all the Linux servers behind the scenes, I became really good friends with them. And I remember um, one of the, one of the guys, he lives in Blairsville now. We're still really good friends, but one day, you know, and I, he was kind of mentoring me, but he would come in and he'd say, uh, Hey, I need you to make me a hundred cat five cables. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know how to do that. I've never done it. And I'm like 16 years old. And he's like, I don't care, figure it out. And he'd walk away. And that was how he mentored me. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to take myself out of the queue, sit over here. And like my fingers were almost bleeding by the time I was done making cat five cables. And now never forget it. I've never made a bad cable. You know, uh -huh. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, let, let's say I've made one in the last 20 years, but. Well, that's miserable though. Like sitting there and trying to make, cause that's, you know, 500 times two, you're tipping both ends of it. And it's, it's not like a trivial task. Like someone's going to get that, that cable and expect it to work. My fingers might've not been bleeding, but I had like Nintendo thumb. Oh, you know for sure. Saying? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I did that. I, I did four <laughs> summers of like IT internship for a school district out here in Western Pennsylvania. And one of our jobs was like, you know, running cables. And Which one? Have, 
uh, are here in, uh, you know, Armstrong County. <laughs> it's north of Pittsburgh? Yeah, we're, we're, we're uh, yeah, way northeast. Northeast on uh, Route 28, but. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Warren, Pennsylvania. So we, yeah, we had Altel. It was either Altel or Adelphia where we lived. And I envied the people that had Pencom because my parents had Altel and it was flipping. T- it was so bad. <laughs> it was it was wild you know like yeah, there were even some other uh pens woods was another one for a while oh i remember uh, pens woods yeah yeah it covered kind of the same region um i ended up i moved to you know in dubois pennsylvania uh-huh. yeah, yeah. so uh i moved out when i was 15 and went through 10th grade 11th grade and then i moved to dubois and this the same guys that started the built the servers and ran the system administration for pencom started a really small isp in dubois and Pencom got bought by Earthlink, like yes, roundabout. They, yep. they were bought by one main first, and then one main was bought, like this whole thing. But one day we came in, and they're like, well, you can stay until uh, like October or something, and we'll give you a severance if you stay longer, but you have to go to Nashville, Tennessee, where like this Earthlink headquarters, whatever. You know, now Nashville doesn't sound that bad, but I'm an 11th grader, and they're like, you want to move to Nashville? I'm like, no. I kind of got to finish my 12th grade of high school. <laughs> so I ended up, I moved to Dubois and I went to 12th grade in Dubois and I would, I did a co-op where I worked from like 9 AM to 1230 PM, something like that. And then I'd work at uh, WRK computer systems in Dubois was the name of it. Uh, and we, we built an ISP. I ran the, I was a technical support director where I, I did all the documentation. I did the hiring for the technical support people there. Um, uh, yeah, I did the technical support calls. That only got to like 2,000 users. Pencom was like 40, 50,000 users. So just grew slower, had a smaller footprint. But then from there, I joined the Marine Corps after, man, my dropout story. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you can get into it real fast, man, because... I don't know. There, there, there's got to be something there, right? Like you just don't quit, right? Just, Man. I mean... Yeah. And so I went to ninth grade in Florida and uh, got a bunch of credits in a, a school in Florida. Then I moved back to Pennsylvania and every high school, I went to three or four different high schools and every high school has their own like bullshit class you have to take, like uh-huh. career development, uh, driver's ed. Um, and I'll <laughs> tell you about the last one, that, the reason I didn't graduate uh, so um, got to 10th grade, finished all my stuff, got the credits, 11th grade, uh, was on my own. I lived like a block from where I worked. I'd wake up at like 7.15, be at work by 7.30, be out of work, be out of school at, uh, go to school at 7.15, be out of school by 3.15, be at work by 3.30. And I was full-time, I was a supervisor by the time I was like 17. So I would work at 3.30 until 11.30 at night. And I had the alarm code and I would set the alarm and uh, all of that. And then, uh, so then that's when they closed it down. Um, and I remember I went to the, the supervisor that I had or the manager, I, uh, technical support manager. I said, uh, uh, it was a, it was June. And, uh, I told him I was, we were supposed to stay until like October. And I told him, you know, I got this opportunity to go to Dubois and start this ISP and, you know, uh, I'm sorry, knowing Dubois, Pennsylvania, like, Hey man, I got this opportunity. Yeah, it's it's a to huge. Go to it's gonna really set off my career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, this is it. This is the, the stepping stone. <laughs> yeah, right. This is the stepping stone to greatness. If you don't, if you can't follow along, I can't yeah. help you. 
Yeah, that's right. That's right. The cookbook. No, I'm, so, I'm sorry to step on your story, but go ahead. Please continue. <laughs> no, no. So, so, all right. So then I get the new boys and I sit down with the principal of the school and, you know, it's just me. And uh, we talk about like, okay, well, you know, uh, yeah, all, whatever I had to do to enroll there. And I wasn't, uh, me and my family didn't see eye to eye on things. So they weren't signing forms and all that for me at the time. So I was able to get in. And uh, I talked to the guidance counselor at the very beginning of the year. He reviewed my transcript from my last high school, looked through everything. And I had to take, I had to take bullshit classes there too. I took, that's where I took driver's ed. Um, and I had been driving in Florida. I got a full driver's license when I was 15. Cause that was one of the things you could do down there. <laughs> I'm sure it surprises you, but yeah, you can drive around. Not for Florida. 15, 15 years old. 15 year old Florida man with a driver's license cited for driving to Dubois. With a cardboard door because there's no vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. there, but you know, whatever. And so, you know, I, I, I was following all the rules. I was doing everything right. You know, like I had, I even had an English honors class. Like I enjoyed English and I was never that good at school. I just, I felt like I already started my career and I was putting the effort into doing my career even before I finished high school. And it, I finished the whole damn thing from like August or whenever the first day was until like the beginning of May and the April. And that class was supposed to graduate May 15th. So I went my an almost entire uh, senior year and the guidance counselor calls me on. I still remember his name, Mr. Hand right? Like South Park. His, his name was actually Mr. Hand. And, uh, oh, hi, Sean. <laughs> I get down there and uh, I'm sitting across the desk from him and he's like, uh, and no shit verbatim. He's like, Sean, uh, when you came here at the beginning of the year, you forgot swimming. And I said, uh, I came down here with you. You looked through my transcripts. You told me everything I had to do. You didn't say I had to do swimming. And this guy says, well, um, it, you forgot to schedule swimming and it's, you know, it's, and I'm just like, and, and so I was like, okay, I'll come back during summer school. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Sorry, my wife has a puppet here for some reason. It's right within reach. How, how Sean, <laughs> you, gotta you, do, forgot, you swimming. forgot swimming. <laughs> like, are you, are you serious, Mr. Hand? <laughs> Well, yes, John. <laughs> I don't have P PTSD from the war, but that <laughs> puppet is triggering me. It's, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, so I, puppet in this office. Anyway, so swimming, anyway, swimming got you. Sw swimming done got you. And the guy came back and he says, "We don't offer swimming during summer school, so you're going to have to come back next year and take the swimming class and graduate with the class next year." And Imagine I'm a, you know, I'm three or four years into a career in dial-up ISPs and I'm thinking, okay, we got everything done. I can move on with my life, whatever I'm going to do, I can do now. And he says, I got to come back and do another 9 a.m. to 1230 next year. And so I told him, I was just like, well, <laughs> you're not giving me a lot of choice here. So I think I'm just going to have to withdraw. So I withdrawed, which is the, uh, uh, technical term for dropping out. <laughs> I remember I went to all my teachers and uh, that I had at the time and they were all like, Sean, what's wrong? Are there problems at home? And, you know, and I 
I just, at that point, mine's made up. It doesn't matter. So I'm just like, no, this is just what I got to do, you know, and uh, got, got through all that. So then um, there is an upside to the story. So I'm technically a high school dropout, but I get to work uh, maybe that day, a day or two after. I'm talking to one of the other desktop, like PC repair guys. And I said, uh, yeah, well, I just, you know, I quit school today. Oh, why? And I told him the story. And he's like, we had a guy in our class that he had to drop out to work his farm because his dad hurt himself. So you can, uh, what do they call it? Petition the school board, tell them why you had to drop out because it was a, you know, a circumstance, extenuating circumstance, whatever. And so I was like, well, shit, I'll give it a try. So I, I looked around or I, maybe I called the school, whatever I did. And um, I figured out that you could do that. You could submit that, but you also had to complete the GED. <laughs> so I oh, could, no. and it had to exceed a certain score. And so no preparation. Uh, you could just, you know, uh, I had gone through four years of school, except the last week or two. Yeah. And I sat down and exceeded the score pretty easily. And I, I sent that in and I, I wrote a letter that basically outlined what uh, mean old Mr. Hand had done to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, it was the craziest thing. You know, my graduating class was supposed to graduate in like May. And this was like July 2001, I think, um, something like that. But anyway, I get this call um, and I hadn't heard anything. It went to the school board, I guess. Maybe they voted on it. They didn't like keep me apprised of whatever situation they had going on. I just get this call out of nowhere. Um, yes, Sean, you can come by and uh, we've got some paperwork for you to pick up in the front office. But, okay, cool. I'll be there maybe tomorrow or whatever. So I drive up there and I stand up. Hey, yeah, I'm here to pick up whatever you guys have for me. And they're like, oh, oh, here you go. And they just handed me a diploma. <laughs> So apparently I, I had a ceremony. successful, yeah, yeah. My walking across the stage, I don't care about any of that stuff. Kyle knows me. I don't care about any of that stuff. It just, it makes a story now, right? So that's my, my story of dropping out of high school. Now I be like, I remember. Oh man, remember Barry's? Just beep it out, right? His name was <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, leave the whole part in about my puppet. Puppet's staying there. Yeah, I don't know where the no puppet came from. Man. You see a puppet? I think that's actually supposed to go on a guitar. I think that's like a guitar, like cover to like keep kids from like dinking with the dials. I don't know much about guitars, Abo. <laughs> I don't know much about. Yeah, that's a lot. what it's called, dinking with it, and then it makes <laughs> the noises that you want to come out of it. <laughs> yeah, plink, you got to plink it to make the noise. Oh man, swimming! Dude. So swimming the got you. That's that's like that's the worst. I kind of imagined it was like it was gonna be along the lines of like, yeah, he came in and was like, hey, I saw that like your Florida credits don't transfer. Like this isn't a one to one. Like you needed a business class and like four gen eds, and you didn't get those because Florida's Florida schools don't require. And you're telling me it's swimming. It was hopping in a bunch of water with everybody else. Though it's a bunch of pee, chlorinated pee, and just you know. It's, trying, to, trying to pass that, huh? It's it's kind of crazy back then. They kind of be like, you know what? You don't. We don't worry about that. We'll give you just a, a pass and call it a day. I feel like Mr. Hand didn't really like Sean. You mean <laughs> Mr. Hand? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> because like he should have noticed that. You're right. As a guidance counselor, his job is to, is to you know kind of figure that stuff out, or like somebody should have caught that way before you know the end of the school year. I'm a very easy person to get along with. I don't, like Kyle said, I, he's never seen me raise my voice. 
but I have, I think I just connected something. I think there was a therapeutic moment here where my biggest pet peeve is when a people or a person doesn't have basic competency for the job that they're in. And I understand like training. I understand, you know, you got to grow in that position, but if you've been in it for as long as Mr. Hand has, <laughs> and he can't figure that out. Um, and so now, you know, dealing with vendors, dealing with, you know, any, any people in your walk of life, if they don't meet a, you know, just, I don't expect a lot, just basic competency. I mean, I think we've all seen that through our careers that like there's, there's people that are just breathing and cleared or, or whatever. And they're, uh, they look like on paper that they can fulfill the task. Right. But they're really just a body, a warm body in a chair that is yep, there to make button. money for the corporate uh, environment. A button, the button, the seat. AIC bro. I saw a bunch of those. Uh-huh. Sleepy ones I too. I saw a lot of sleepy ones. Oh, I knew it. I sat next to a guy in a cubicle when I first started at, at that place, uh, at that fort in uh, Maryland. Uh, and he would come in, read the paper for a little bit, call Verizon to bitch about his phone bill, and then sleep from about nine to noon, get up, go to lunch, come back from lunch, clickety clackety, take some weird random training, and then leave for the day. And he did that every day. We may have worked with the same guy. Uh, well, I'll have to run that name by you off the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It happens. Well, I think we're at a good good uh, near stopping point. I mean, we've, we've been at it for, like, again, another solid hour. We good conversation. Just kind of roll at it. Time flies when you're having fun. And I had a lot great. of fun. Yeah, Sean, you got some great stories. I think we just even got the, like, tip of the iceberg. This we're is the – so, Sean, how, how can people get a hold of you? How, what's the best way? Twitterverse? Com- company LinkedIn. website, contact form. Do you want to submit help test tickets to your company? Do you got a JIRA processing ticket? Oh, yeah. man, hit that JIRA. No, uh, my ICQ is <laughs> 465740. Got him. going to add that to the uh, show notes. 465750. Four six five seven four zero. Seven four zero. My bad. I've since gone back and looked. It was bought by like some Russian company, and probably data mine. But um, yeah, you, it's. Uh, you're an early one too, because I had I had a pretty big number. Four six five four four hundred sixty five thousand. I was the millions, man. Yeah, I was three yeah, million. An mm. early adopter. <laughs> so after Dale's podcast, I went on and I tried to like reset my password. And they're like, we don't know who you are. And I don't remember what I tied that to, but I, I'm pretty sure I remember what my password was. There was Great. an exploit early Some on in ICQ where, and it was crazy. So the actual client only allowed you to type in, I'm going to forget the count, but it was like nine characters. But if you used like, uh, like Linux had different clients too, like MICQ was one that I used. Yep. And uh, I used to talk to the owner, I think his name was, or the, the guy that coded it, his name was Matt, I think. And he like coded himself as your friend on there. So whenever you loaded it, he was always on there. And in MySpace. Uh, but it's like, like that dude from MySpace, right? Yeah. Tom. <laughs> I remember MySpace, like, who the fuck is Tom? And oh, I'm not friends with him. Unfriend. <laughs> Immediately. I bet he's got all the friends still. Tom's saddest day. But there is this exploit with ICQ where if you typed in a password that was longer than like nine characters, it automatically logged you in. And so there was a run there of like, I don't know, six weeks where everyone knew about, well, everyone on 
Fnet knew about it, you know, like yeah. where the hackers hung out in the 90s. Man, that's another pool. You have just dropped two amazing, uh, you know, early millennium bombs here on the podcast. We were in IRC together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I got IRC to like years later, and that wasn't cool by that time. Or log on and draw ASCII Kirby's because I thought they were the coolest. <laughs> no like Twitter. This. No Twitter. You want to put your? T- I got your Twitter handle. I could put it in the Twitter notes. Yeah, I mean, I'm not social media, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, best way to get a hold of me, I guess, probably through the website or you know my Navisec email. You have a LinkedIn. You want yeah, some LinkedIn, LinkedIn friends? There you go. LinkedIn. So link, LinkedIn, I'm, I'm, I'm the only Sean Nobles with the front slash Sean Nobles. So I guess you can find me that way. Thanks. Sounds good. We'll put that in. Well, this has been fun. It's been a good time. I disagree. This has been terrible. It's been a terrible time. I learned about Mr. Hand and I just, I lost, I it lost it. It was therapeutic. Thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> Life changing even. Life changing. That's what we're here to do. We're here to change lives. But it's been great, Sean. Obviously, don't duck off. We'll end the recording. But uh, it's been great having you. And uh, in closing, as always, stay thirsty. Don't break your rubber bands. And also, don't die. Don't die. broke my rubber band. (gasps) All right. Thanks, everyone. Hey, thanks, Sean. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys.